From talkradio.nyc, welcome to At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and owner of David Thiergartner Interiors right here in beautiful Manhattan. On tonight's show, there are giants in the sky. My guest tonight is Michelle Dopp from Fabric and Still. Michelle and I will be discussing her timeless line of fabrics, her design process, and what makes Fabric and Still products so relatable, so cherished. And, you know, everything seems to be so disposable today. Michelle has created something remarkable, something you want to keep. So there's a lot to talk about. Let's get started. There are giants in the sky. There are big, tall, terrible giants in the sky. When you weigh up high and you look below at the world you left and the things you know, little more than a glance is enough to show you just how small you are. When you weigh up high and you're on your own In a world like none that you've ever known Where the sky is lead and the earth is stone You're free to do whatever pleases you Exploring things you'd never dare Cause you don't care So one of the first rules of interior design is To select the rug first Build the fabrication off of that Start there Use the rug as inspiration Design rule number one Start at the bottom and work your way up. Well, hmm, I don't know about that. Rules are meant to be broken, right? And there's not a lot of inspiration that comes from looking down at the floor. So for me, well, I like to start with the fabrics first. So many textures, so many patterns, so many qualities, so many possibilities. And that's where all the action is. That's where the inspiration comes from. The style is defined. The color story gets established. The fabric leads you like some kind of mystical creative force. As a teenage kid in Los Angeles, I used to walk around the fashion district on 8th Street looking at all the fabric stores. I had... No real purpose being there. I didn't need anything. I was a teenager. I just liked being there, seeing all of it, stack after stack of it, bolt after bolt of suiting fabric, velvets and silks from China, chintz and printed bar cloth, fabrics from all over the world, Scottish wool plaids and piles and piles of linen, white linen, natural linen, Belgian linen, heavy linen, and paper-thin linen that would blow in the wind like gauze. I suppose I was introducing myself to a new world, I guess. Perhaps, maybe it was a premonition. All I knew at the time was that I liked being there. I was, and I still am, fascinated by fabrics. Okay. So you got me going. I'm going to tell you another quick story. I was in Bowling Rock, North Carolina, of all places, invited to a party. To this day, I remember walking into this beautiful house and seeing double height drapery panels made from what I now know was English cruel. I was dumbstruck. I kind of just stood there looking at these drapery panels. I had never seen anything like that before. I had never seen cruel fabric before, especially coming from L.A. And I didn't know that people had double height anything, let alone windows and drapery panels. So there I stood, like some knucklehead. I couldn't get over the colors and the texture, all the texture from heavy wool embroidery thread outlining vines and flowers and leaves and woodland animals. And then, of course, The fabric started at the floor and went all the way up to the ceiling, just like Jack's beanstalk. There was a giant in the sky, no doubt, but it wasn't a scary monster. That giant was my passion, my newly discovered imagination, my need to 
understand what was in front of me and why I thought it was so incredibly beautiful. Only a few years since my walk around 8th Street Fashion District in L.A., and there I was, staring into my future. You know, fabrics have that way about them. They move us. We relate to them. Remember the commercial, the touch, the feel, the fabric of our lives? Well, I guess that's another reason why I like to start with fabrics. My clients can relate to them too. There are so many things about the interior design process that aren't relatable. You know, like the size and proportion of moldings, drawings of millwork, how best to finish a tile edge, furniture plans or recessed lighting specs for that matter. But fabric, fabric is touchable. We all grew up picking out our favorite shirt or our favorite dress. We liked the way grandpa's chair felt or how excited we were when we found what we wanted to wear to the prom. That's why I'm thrilled to have textile designer Michelle Dopp on the show tonight. She has taken what inspires her and created a line of textiles that are relatable to all of us. She designs fabric that moves beyond borders, beyond points on a map. Her patterns are fluid and move beyond architecture and structure. So, as far as I can tell, Michelle and I are on the same page. New design rules for now on. No more looking down at the floor. Look up to the sky. There are giants in the sky. Feel the passion. Touch upon the courage to create, to design better, to build something, to discover, to learn, to weave together our loves, our knowledge, our personal life stories with and about our homes. The touch, the feel, the fabric of our lives. When we come back, my conversation with Michelle Dopp from Fabric and Steel. Fabric and Steel makes artisan, crafted textiles that are flowing like, I don't know, graceful rivers next to skyscrapers of glass and steel. This is At Home. I'm David Thiergartner, and we'll be back in two minutes. listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi. I'm Noreen Sumter, The Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. 
Who do you want to connect with? Are you an entrepreneur or intrapreneur looking to build your following? Welcome to our show. Follow Me Friday with Joan and Priya. Tune in every Friday at noon Eastern on talkradio.nyc. We're We're your digital connectors. connectors. Woo woo! (laughs) (laughs) Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day. My guest tonight, Michelle Dopp from Fabric and Steel. Michelle, I'm so excited to have you here. Welcome to At Home. Hi, David. Thank you so much for having me. We're happy that you're here. Listen, we start each and every show with the same question. What is your meaning of beauty and what specifically is beautiful in your home? Well, for me, beauty is authenticity and Maybe some mystery thrown in there, too. Wow. So uh, the funny thing is you you brought up rugs earlier, and I was thinking specifically beautiful in my home. There's two rugs that I really love. (laughs) Um, But they're these Moroccan rugs, and they're vintage, and they were made by these... um, women in these villages and you know they're handmade and you can really see the handcrafted process in it and you know so there's nothing that's rigid about the design but for these rugs before they started being mass produced they were uh, made for their families and the symbols in the rugs were meant to convey their histories and what they wanted to convey to their new families their husbands and their children so i love the authenticity of that Mm -hmm. And that in, you know, I felt so drawn to it. So now it's part of my history and I'm living with it. And it's such a livable thing. You know, you're living with somebody's love and their passion. And um, it's a beautiful thing. And there is a mystery there, too, because you don't know exactly what it means. But there's the depth to that that is so beautiful. Well, we're really into storytelling here. I think that's a big part of interior design. I think that's a big part of what I like so much about your fabrics is storytelling. So to have, you know, rugs that are telling stories, family, intimate stories is pretty profound and pretty wonderful. Yes. Let's get right into it because I love how you describe your your textiles, your fabric line. Um, you said fabric and still echoes the conversation between place and texture. Well, so I just I just love the whole <laughs> thing about that, but the word echoes. How does that phrase speak to you as you're designing? Well, I like to think about how space and then the things within the space really have a conversation with each other. And so, you know, you're you're talking about two different things, really, very you know, radically different things. And so I wanted to convey how the movement through space and the objects within the space uh, converse. And they converse all the time with how, you know, you move through it and, and how you experience it. So I wanted my fabrics and my patterns to to tell that story um, of movement and um, and how something that's maybe more permanent can have this relationship with something that's always in flux. Um so the textile itself being the permanent fixture of that or actually um, symbolically symbolically I guess because yeah more symbolically <laughs> um, that uh, the architecture of a space right is is not permanent but more permanent and so the interior design of it is actually always in flux because when you come into a space you're constantly moving you're moving the objects within it uh, you're moving the pillows, you're moving the, the kitchen items, you're doing all those things. And it's a life lived within the architectural space. So that conversation between those things that are being used and lived with and moved around the space like an architectural space that is more of a structure and doesn't move. So that then goes back to a little bit of uh, how you describe things as emph- uh, emphatical to a time, right? Or you say actually emphatical to our time, 
this might seem silly, but I mean, you might have just described it, but our time in the space or our time in the now, the political time, the technological time, the time inside of our home. Can you just speak a little bit about what that means, the emphatical to our time? Absolutely. So like, you know, if you look at a painting from Renaissance Florence, you can tell that it's from Renaissance Florence, right? And you know that the reason you can tell that, right, is because there's the, the politics of the time, the religion of the time, the, the merchants of the time so that it it speaks to the culture of the time in, in its totality. Right. So I think, you know, what I'm wanting to convey is that it's not something that's derivative or copying a design of the past, but we're looking at something that is um, very much speaking to everything we're experiencing now. Um, so, and you know, how we think and experience life comes out aesthetically, just as it would in a song or anything else. So that's what I mean by our time. Wow. Well, that's really profound and fascinating from a design process because you're expressing how you feel when you're at the computer or when you're at your drawing table or when you you are experiencing the design as you're doing it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, I mean, that's what I'm, I'm conveying is like, you know, how I'm experiencing my life and the world and, and architecture and texture as I'm living it. So fascinating. And then you also talk about fleeting or ethereal, right? So, that I got a little confused about because, you know, I when I do my work, I'm constantly like, you know, we're built to last, you know, <laughs> we're not painting these walls again for 15 years. And that sofa, you know, that costs 40 grand, that's lasting through your grandchildren, you know, and you're using words like fleeting and ethereal. And so how I know it's not the fabric, but so how does it how is the design fleeting? Um, right. So the fabric absolutely is not fleeting. Right. We don't, we don't want, we don't want to set that up. Don't get that wrong. Uh, um, design. Okay. Uh, that, okay. Let me just say that, you know, I grew up as a kid, I, I, I danced, I was a ballet dancer for 10 years. So, you know, I spent every day dancing for hours and I think I think of, um, everything, uh, through movement, you know, so I think about movement in, uh, structure and objects and then also the space between movements right so like fantastic so when so I, you're at the ballet bar but everything else is moving around you or vice versa yeah right so i think of i think of life and movement from i think this dance experience and um so where i'm going with that is that the design is uh designed to have a lot of movement you know, and it's more that there's this, and I wanted to capture the idea that you've got this uh, interior, right? So you've got an architectural building that's going to live a life of, let's say, 200 years, 300 years or something. But the interiors of it are going to change, right? Let's say every 50 years or 25 or just depending. And so that structure is going to have a relationship with it, the interiors in many different ways. And I'm just trying to capture that within the designs of my fabrics that um, there's always this movement and this relationship between something that's more permanent and something that's always moving and, and very organic. Quite beautiful. We put several images of fabric patterns and stuff on Instagram so everybody oh. can follow along with what we're doing. Thank you. So, um, <laughs> and I've always been struck by that. I've, uh, um, you know, I, I, I've, I've looked at hundreds of thousands of fabrics and fabric patterns and textures my whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I have in my notes here that, you know, there's something about that larger brushstroke, you know, almost against the canvas. Uh, and then you also do, because you, you do that, you do bigger expressions, but mm-hmm. you also do linear lines. Mm-hmm. And in all of those cases, the, the larger brushstroke or the linear lines, they're always, to me, it looks like they're falling off the map. You know, that it feels <laughs> like, the, you know, I got a big map going on, but the road continues on, right? <laughs> Even though the map stops here. And so I'm so fascinated by that. And you've described that a little bit. Um, but they do take me somewhere. So whatever you're speaking about, I think is uh, relatable, as we were saying to mm-hmm. all of us. And it's a fascinating experience to have uh, with fabrics. Did you know that you were designing that way 
you know, I mean, did you set out, I guess, to purposely design that way? Or was that something that happened in the design process for you? Uh, I definitely set out to do that. You did. So you yes. had that was your priority. You that have was my all priority, intentions yes. of that. Yes. Okay. I wanted to. And go, going back to what you had said about uh, designing for our time, I wanted to express something that was a little different. Um, that was specifically like, you know, kind of how people were feeling now and how that can be expressed visually, you know, that there is uh, somehow things just get kind of um, maybe something that was tighter before, a pattern that was tighter before. How do you blow that up and make it, you know, bigger and uh, more with more movement? So, yes, I there was that intent from the beginning. Okay. You know, we're talking about um, words like fleeting and in our time and stuff and in our time now. Um, we're basically a disposable society, right? Right, right. Um, You know, one of the hard parts of my job of Mm. late is that uh, it seems easier to buy something less expensive in case, you know, the housekeeper ruins it or the grandkids, you know, knock over the lamp or what, whatever are the positive, somebody spills some something on the sofa mm-hmm. so we feel i feel like we live in a very disposable time and but you're really talking about trying to create something that has longevity and has permanence and has a special place in our homes and and our expression mm-hmm. absolutely and i think that speaks to um the authenticity thing uh that i was uh, speaking about with beauty which is something i think that you know, is an important word for all of us too, right? Mm-hmm. I think we're trying to find or regain or better understand authenticity. Authentic, I think so too. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I feel like that's a communal thing. Yeah, that we're trying, I mean, that a, we're working for. Yeah, there's a connection with mean? that, yeah. right? You know, and uh, just that y- you can connect with objects that you feel are, are authentic. You know, like a fabric that's you know been in the family, let's say, for a couple generations on a pillow or something. You know, maybe a sofa. And there is this, you know, depth of history. And then, again, like the mystery, you know, of the person's life. And, you know, what happened with the sofa and the fabrics and the, you know, the pillows and everything, you know. And who had it and who loved it and um, and who lived their life with it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I really don't like things that are decorative for the, just the sake of being decorative. Um, and so I think when you create something that really is um, thoughtfully designed... Uh, and then also made by artisans and made to live several, you know, uh, through several lives, through several lifetimes, you know, um, that uh, you're creating that authenticity and that mystery uh, for future people that want to use it. I think, you know, so much of what moved me about the cruel fabric in the double height room that I talked about when I was, you know, maybe 20, 21, 22 years old was just that there. Um, I mean, I, I don't think that I knew the history. I certainly didn't know the people well enough to understand. Mm-hmm. But it did feel like I was seeing something profound, that it was more than just the fabric, that it was something that she cherished mm-hmm. and it was a part of her expression. And and that was profound. That moved me in mm-hmm. ways uh, that I think I've taken uh, through my whole career because I love that feeling. I love that sensation. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that I've ever met or dealt other than you with somebody who has um, such a true sense of what they're trying to design, such a uh, such an embodiment of that passion that you're trying to express to everybody else and to have everybody else feel what you're feeling. Mm-hmm. And that's incredibly beautiful and lovely. And I think that's oh, what makes you. your fabric so beautiful and lovely, too. Oh, you, you talk about, and we get all through those wonderful phrases, where you talk about, <laughs> uh, you, you, linen is rough, right? I mean, on some level, it doesn't have to be. But our sense of linen is that it's a, it's a rough texture. Uh-huh. Um, and But so we have this... And when I when I hear you talk about architecture and stuff, I always I always had presumed you were talking about the fabric itself as being the architecture, being the steel and being mm-hmm. the strength of mm-hmm. the design that sits on top of it. Um, so we talk a lot about contrast here. It's one of my big design right. elements that I like to discuss that I think is important that doesn't get expressed a lot. Um, so there is a sense of contrast with the delicacy, I guess, or the 
movement, the the graceful movement, because your movements are graceful. The, the oh, pattern movements you. are graceful, <laughs> right? Now, there's nothing, even the lines are not perfectly straight. And, and they, mm-hmm. again, for me, they fall off the page, but they're on linen. They're on this mm-hmm. incredibly durable, strong, powerful fabric. Mm-hmm. So why linen? Why not cotton? You know, like, <laughs> you know, where did you, how did that all happen? Do you know, like, how did, why was linen important to your story? Well, I do love how the strength of linen and the durability of linen, and there's this like long history of people using linen. Um, and I, and also it's true, you know, there's this like really, really, you know, durable quality to linen, but yet it's got this beautiful, elegant, soft drape to it when you see it, right? You know, I mean, it just, there's this uh, kind of soft elegance that is inherent in it, as well as being incredibly durable. And I thought that it was the perfect ground to express some of these, you know, patterns that were, that had so much movement and uh, uh, such large expression, because in so many ways, those expressions were multifaceted, just like I think um, linen is in itself, the structure of it. Um, so, you know, and I, I liked having that history, too, of this natural fiber and, and working with mills in Belgium that have such a, a deep history um, in producing the, fa- the fabrics. So. Yeah, I mean, not to get too historical, but linen is um, as old as societies and culture and right you know as long as we've been able to document anything linen has been a part of that Mm -hmm. so when you're looking at renaissance paintings you know they're wearing linen and (laughs) and or the wealthy the nobility are wearing silk Mm -hmm. but everybody else is wearing linen and the tablecloths are linen and right the aprons are linen and everything is linen so it, it speaks to again i guess the history of us as a a culture or, you know, or as human beings. And so that's really mm-hmm. fascinating too. Um, linen comes in so many different qualities. And so weight, right? We describe right. linen by weight. Mm-hmm. And um, excuse me. So, excuse me. So um, that also has a lot to do with the drape, how it drapes and right. how it lays. Absolutely. So maybe we should come back because um, all of a sudden I'm coughing. Hey, this is At Home, and we'll be back to talk to Michelle all about why designs of fabric and steel are so reflective of who we are. I'd rather be sailing, yes I would, on an open I'd stand at the railing if I could Feeling wild and free You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. Talking Alternative Radio, 24 hours a day.
We are talking to Michelle Dopp from Fabric and Steel, and you can follow Michelle on Facebook and Instagram at Fabric and Steel. And you spell out the and, right? There's Yes, you do. Yeah, so that's always important. And don't forget, you can send questions to me, David, at DavidThiergartnerInteriors.com. And just do me a favor. Um, just put in at-home questions. It will make it a little bit easier for everybody to figure out which is which. You know, Michelle, we talk a lot about um, process here. Mm-hmm. I, I Just like we did for the first 15 minutes, I, I love talking to artists about how they work and what's on their mind. We didn't talk yet about what inspires you um, and what do you do to prepare for creating a new line of fabrics? You know, do you, do you, do you go away? Do you walk around the block? Do you go on vacation? Do you wake up in the middle of the night and conceive something? So can you just, just talk to us a little bit. You feel like maybe it's time. The line needs a new, uh, a new, uh, set of fabrics to show everybody, or do you do it seasonally? How does that work? Do you have a time frame when you do it? Well, I try. Or do you just introduce it? I just introduce it. I, I try not to um, follow follow the right the seasonal changes because I don't think it's as important with uh, interiors fabrics to do that. I think it's more important to do something that's fully formed and not feel pressured by the seasons. Um, but I like to introduce something new every year. So uh, usually towards like the spring of every year, like March, February, something like that. Um, but as far as inspiration goes, I. Going back to movement, I actually, I really like to just start moving. And so I'll oh. just, I'll take long walks in the city. Um, if I'm on vacation somewhere, I take long walks there. And it really, uh, that starts my process as far as getting myself into the mindset of thinking about design problems and, and how do you work with that. And um, then from that, I, I always like to take photographs because I think once you start moving uh, for an extended period of time, you, you start seeing things in different ways. And you can take a photo of something that you would never have noticed before. And all of a sudden, that particular angle of that particular corner of a building is beautiful. And you, and you start noticing that. And so I'll take a lot of photographs to capture those moments where I all of a sudden see something for the first time. Maybe it's the 100th time, but it's the first time I've ever seen it that way. And so I'll capture those moments so I can go back and look at that. And that's you know, how I start the design process for a new line. Does light play a part of that? Like, I mean, if you took the same walk in the morning versus at night, is that a part of... Oh, that's a huge... Oh, sorry. Oh, go ahead. No. Is that a big (laughs) part of how you see things? It's a huge part of how I see things. Light really... I mean, if you think about it, certain neighborhoods in the city, right, they look so different because they're closer to the water or farther away from the water or, you know, there's more trees or whatever. And I I think that that just makes a huge difference as, as how it can affect whatever, you know, uh, contemplation you're having while you're walking through the space, the lighting, um, as well as, you know, uh, how you see things for photographs. So have you always lived in New York? I mean, so is New York a part of your inspiration? Because, you know, we've talked here many, many times, you Mm -hmm. know, if I get stuck, I don't know how to do a return on this, or I can't figure out how to complete a molding over here. All I got to do is step out of my office for a couple of blocks. And right. <laughs> there's an incredible example from 100 years ago right down the street that if, you know, we came from mm-hmm. a smaller town, um, wouldn't give us that many possibilities. So is New York a part of your inspirational process? You know, really... It really, truly is. It I, is. I'm from uh, Bloomington, Indiana, which is a lovely town in southern Indiana. Big university town, right? Big university town. It's really lovely. It's wonderful. It has a textile history to it, too. Uh, it does. <laughs> a little bit. Oh, a little bit. Yes, absolutely. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but, you know, I so I loved growing up there. I love, uh, you know, I love being there when I visit my family. Um but, you know, I, I started my career uh, working in Indiana in actually commercial furniture. And so that's 20 years ago I started doing that. And I was looking for something else. I wanted to get out of the commercial end of it and get into something residential, something a little more creative on that side of things. And I wasn't sure where to go. And I came to New York for the first time. And it was it was like 15 years ago. And it, it was this you know, kind of jaw-dropping experience, of course, you know, the for, first, for anyone that comes to New right. York for the first time. And so I realized immediately that that is where I needed to be or this is where I needed to be. And so, yes, I mean, being in New York from the very beginning of being here has been very inspiring. So, 
Well, let's jump to that because I was fascinated to figure out how, um, you know, being in the industry for so long and then all of a sudden you became a textile designer and owned your own company. So mm -hmm. just now I, I need to know, you know, what was doing in that mind of yours as you were sitting behind the desk trying to sell commercial furniture or work in a commercial furniture showroom, <laughs> factory? Uh, yes, I worked for um, a company called Kimball. They do cubicles, I don't know, systems okay. furniture. You remember back in the day sure. when everybody had that stuff? So. <laughs> um, and the thing that was the most attractive to me in that in that particular uh, kind of environment was my harem textiles. Of course. Yeah, so yeah. it was like, you know, I was selling my harem textiles along with, you know, this commercial furniture, these pa panel systems, and it was like, oh, I need to be with textiles, you know? <laughs> and it was my harem that, like, really opened my mind to, like, you know, this is something I really want to be involved with, and I just fell in love with um, everything about it. Let's just talk about my harem for a second mm -hmm. just so everybody knows what we're talking about. But you describe it all describe it but Meharam talking about free expression talking about passion talking about you know uh moving off the page into a whole nother mm -hmm. uh expression of of not only prints but of of textures mm. and, and and quality of material they do it they they seem to reject anything that's ordinary and move beyond that is how would you describe them? Well, and, and that's interesting you say that because that one of the first textiles that they brought out when I was when I was first exposed to them, so not one of the first textiles they brought out, but when I was first exposed to them, was this textile called Repeat, and there was no repeat, <laughs> and I was so inspired by that, and uh, it was a designer they were working with, and so it was this beautiful like uh, yardage that had no repeat and just kept all these different expressions were being uh, brought into the fabric. And uh, so, yes, exactly what you're saying. There is this element of it just being off the page and um, just lovely. So I need you to paint this picture a little bit more for me. So here you are sitting there in Indiana <laughs> and um, you're working. And uh -huh. are, are you doodling? Are you drafting? Are you, are you, is something occurring? Like, can you just go a little bit deeper right there for me? Because this is the stuff I love. Okay. Uh, so... You know, it wasn't, I didn't really know exactly what I wanted to do with all these things that were inspiring me. So I figured if I moved to New York and um, just started exploring all the different possibilities of design and like how I could be involved and what I could do and what I could create, um, I would figure it out. So I, when I came here, I started working for a custom rug company and, um, you know, I got into some other things, textiles, lighting. Um, but I always came back to wanting to do textiles and started drafting, started coming up with ideas for creating a line. But it really was a, a little bit longer of a process than just it happening in Indiana. Just this kind of uh, several year process. of Like a slow moving river. Slow moving river, yes. Uh, and then just figuring things, you know, out for myself and. And being influenced right. by different things in the industry. So, the thing about custom that we don't, we should do a show on customization actually. Um, that would be a good idea. But I mean, I do so much custom furniture now that I never did before. Mm -hmm. And it, it's, it's a little bit like when you break through the customization wall, because it's a pretty big wall, because there's a lot that's in front of you and a, a lot of things that you don't know and a lot of people who are involved and a lot of engineering and a lot of technical mm -hmm. stuff that as, you know, just being a designer, we didn't have to deal with. And all of a sudden, if you're going to make something, you need to know. So I think that breakthrough has always been, it was fascinating for me. Mm -hmm. And I've been thrilled to get on the other side of the wall because once you get over there, you know, now the world the is world boundless. Is open, yeah, yes. right. So <laughs> I want to talk about your fabrics now that we gave a nod to. Um, somebody else. I selected um, a favorite fabric of mine, which is your fabric vine number mm -hmm. five one five one three fifteen thirteen for everybody. I even got specific and selected the color bittersweet, and I highlighted it on Instagram just so everybody uh, can see it. But will you just discuss vine and the color bittersweet from the beginning? You know, so <laughs> how how did how did you design Vine? I think it's absolutely beautiful. Well, thank you very much. Uh, again, this has to do with movement. I was uh, walking in Brooklyn Bridge Park, which is close to my house in Brooklyn, and I was thinking about how I was going to set um, 
the second collection that I was designing. And I came across this very strange branch that looked charred and almost like driftwood or something. And it was this branch with these kind of uh, dried up buds on it. Oh and it was, yeah, I know. It sounds, <laughs> and it was just, it was long and it was kind of gnarled. And I just thought it was the most gorgeous thing. And I just loved the movement and kind of this, uh, maybe ugly beauty or truthful beauty about it. And, um, it was sitting there by itself on this kind of sandy area by the river, by the East river. And so, the kind of movement of that and it being a not so sweet floral, I guess you could say. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. That would be true. Yeah. <laughs> and that it expresses this kind of juxtaposition of life from a flower and also kind of death. And so there's this mystery in it. And I liked that darkness and also this kind of hope as well. And then it was sitting there by itself. So I, I wanted there to be a lot of negative space in between the actual um, pattern as that being part of the pattern. Um, so that's, that's how vine came to be. And I and I chose bittersweet because I thought that was just a lovely, um, deep, rich color. That's a beautiful color. Oh, thank you. <laughs> uh, this is so fascinating because I think I hit upon something about the design process. I mean, honestly, you know, 10,000 people in New York City walk past that dried up branch <laughs> that you looked at. And not only did you notice it, which I would think would be the first remarkable thing about that, but you not only noticed it, it inspired you to create something beautiful from it. And um, and I think that's just, I don't know, I could listen to those stories forever. It's so thrilling. So thank mm. you for sharing Oh well, thank Vine you and the color bittersweet <laughs> with us. Um, I want to talk real quick about how your art history degree speaks to your design process. I mean, I don't mm -hmm. know if it was a part of the vine, but how has it played out, your your art history degree and your education and how you see the world now and how you design now? I would say um, primarily it's uh, looking at things through composition. So, you know, mm -hmm. obviously you need that with when you're, you're thinking about pattern. Um, but also I like to think about composition within a room. And so how is that fabric going to be... Uh, used within a room and how is that going to you know affect the rest of the space and you know so I'll design something and I'll think about how is this going to be if it's a pillow or a drapery or on a piece of furniture um, so I think it's composition more than anything that affects it fantastic yeah I would agree that I'm drawn to still lives for composition no matter what period they come from but oh. yeah they mean a lot to me I, I can't I can't thank you enough for you know, giving us all this insight and sharing with us your beautiful collection and your passion for design. Um, you have taken us to points beyond. And um, it's been a tremendous conversation. I, I thank you so very much. I thank you so much. Will you stay and um, take some questions from our listeners? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, that would be great. I think there are it looks like we have several to, to discuss. This is At Home, and we'll be back in two minutes. And I travel to Bombay and back, or to the Milky Way and back, and points beyond, and points You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. The best designs for your life start at home. I'm David Thiergartner, interior designer and host of At Home. Listen live Tuesday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as we talk to the very best professionals about interior design and the design that's all around us right here on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you feeling unhappy with your body, shape, or size? Ever feel out of control with food? I'm Elizabeth Tripp, your host of Nourish the Soul. Join me to uncover the root to these imbalances and discover a permanent solution to living a healthy life. Join us every Wednesday at my new time, 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. TalkingAlternative.com So we're back, Michelle. Thank you. So here we go with all these questions. So count me out (laughs) as best you can. Here's the first one. Terry writes, "Uh, there's so many different qualities and weights, or you said weights, of linen. And I'm imagining for different purposes, can you just talk through what weight or what level of quality I would use for draperies or decorative pillows or upholstery? So let's enter it this way more specifically. How many weights of linen do you carry and do you have specific fabrics for upholstery or can I get bittersweet in a drapery weight fabric as well? Okay, so I have six different weights that I work with with the prints and some of those are really just meant for drapery and some of them in decorative pillows and some of them are made meant for upholstery. Right. Right. Uh, so let's just say, because everybody doesn't know, the lighter weights obviously are for draperies and decorative pillows. Yes, absolutely. And that right. the heavier, more structured... Are for upholstery. Are for upholstery. Right, exactly. And that's something, you know, you, you, when you're working with your interior designer, you ask, you know, as far as like, you know, what would be a suitable for upholstery? Because not everything is. Um, as far as, you know, like I what I have, uh, let's say on my website... Those things are available. They're in stock. If somebody wanted to do a custom, they could. So if they liked Bittersweet, um, Vine Bittersweet, it's on a a weight that's really more suitable for decorative pillows and drapery, but not upholstery. But let's say they wanted to do upholstery with that. They could, but it would be a custom, and it would just be a matter of figuring out, you know, which weight was most appropriate. And how many many yards they would need. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so that's good. That's great. Great great question, by the way. Thank you, Terry. Jonathan asks, I love linen that is soft and supple. Um, Is it possible to wash the printed linens before I make something out of it? I, w- do- I wouldn't do that. You wouldn't. Okay. <laughs> um, only because it, it does change the quality of it. Um, it's one of those things, the printed linens um, really should be dry cleaned. Um, if they are washed, they should be hand washed and then, you know, not dried in the dryer, um, but, you know, hung and then pressed. Um, so it's something you have to be. There is a, another linen that I have that doesn't have a print um, and is stone washed and can you know can be washed yeah, exactly. I mean, I think that's true. If if it's printed, printed home fabrics need to be. Um, well, I think you can hand wash, and I certainly have. Right. And because I'm right. sometimes if I'm looking for a desired effect, but the dryer is just not our friend no. on any of these no. things. And <laughs> the just I'll just say because I had this conversation over the weekend. Nor is the dryer a good friend of like. Uh, expensive bed linens either right i mean not that you have to air dry them but you need to not dry them to the nth degree you know they it's not so much the washing it's the drying now that we're getting into maintenance of of different things here's an interesting question oh no wait wait i have a question from sam that ties into that so let's use that (laughs) so i guess maybe you answered it dry cleaning 
for like stains and because linen can be tricky sometimes an oil splat or a chocolate Mm -hmm. mark or something like that doesn't come out on linen quite as easily as it does on other types of fabrics like velvet or cotton Mm. yeah so i would always you know i mean do a hand washing a spot you know Spot clean it if you get a stain, hand wash it and dry clean it if you if you want to get that perfectly pressed look. Yeah, I so. don't want, I don't want to talk about cleaning, but I guess we will because we're here. <laughs> but, you know, in uh, <laughs> any of this stuff, there is no rubbing. Rubbing is an absolute no, no. It's 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 dap and lift. Right. You mm-hmm. kind of push down on the stain. You lift it up. Mm-hmm. You don't go back and forth with Gra- anything. Grind. You don't grind it in. Don't grind it in. <laughs> not in home fabrics. You might do that with your kid's shirt, I guess. But no, not on any home fabrics. Certainly not. And a little bit of club soda goes a long way. Exactly. So, you exactly. know. And, oh, you know, what else goes a long way is patience. Uh, and I think yes. patience, not just yes. By the minute, by the day, mm-hmm. you know, soak that baby, mm-hmm. put some club soda on it, pull it up and soak it tomorrow. And if you just take some time, mm-hmm. linen or whatever it is, you'll get there. So it will be fine. And, that. you know, that with my prints, uh, just thinking about it, the, the hand screen printing process for anybody that does hand screen printing, the, the colors are so completely uh, saturated into the fabric. You don't have to worry about them fading. So that's another nice thing when you when you are cleaning and you're worried about something like oh, that. Oh yeah, it's not just so, topical. It's literally exactly. absorbed into the, into the fabric. Very yeah. nice. That's a very good that's a good selling point. Yeah. Hey, this <laughs> is an interesting question. My <laughs> I love people. My Belgian mother uh-huh. always said that Belgian linen was the champagne of all linens. Is that true? And if so, why? Well, it is true. Oh, yeah. okay. It's a uh, wonderful I, question. I, I completely agree. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, they just have such a long, deep history of producing linen, of growing the flax, of harvesting it, of, of weaving it, you know, um, cultivating the whole thing. And so I just, it's length of history with, the, with that product. And so I think that's, you know, and also it's their climate too. Um, it's perfect for growing the flax plant and harvesting it and uh, creating linen from it. If you've never, I've, I've been to Belgium. I have seen flax fields. Mm-hmm. Um, it's truly incredibly beautiful. Mm. Uh, it's a little delicate, which is so shocking for something that creates such strength and such structure and, right. in your words, still quality mm-hmm. kind of concepts. It's this beautiful, just light blowing in the wind, delicate <laughs> little flower on this thin vine. I guess it's about waist high, maybe a little bit more. 40, it, it's it's beautiful and it's sort of a light green mm-hmm. and the flowers can be a little bit on the white side, but uh, uh, it's so delicate for something that produces something that's uh, so strong. Um, you know, I, I'm going to jump into another question that I wanted to ask. We talked so much about your pattern and your textile design and how you get there, but we didn't talk about colorization and you have a very strong point of view on the colors that you use and distinctively you're just off neutral a little bit, right? I mean, even my (laughs) favorite color, bittersweet, you would kind of have to call that a rougey charcoal, right? Mm -hmm. So where does the color sense come from? Sorry, everybody. It was my turn to I, ask I, a question. I, I love rougey charcoal. That's R- rougey great... <laughs> charcoal. <laughs> That's a Sounds really like nice... a woman I met in Paris one day. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's like an amazing term. Anyway, uh, I love neutrals. I just, I'm just so drawn to them. So I think, you know, it's just such a lovely, there's something so timeless about them, you know. And I, I think that, you know, because of that, I, all my designs kind of, beg for neutrals you know uh, it's i almost design with that in mind um they're not necessarily designs for bright colors it's not that i wouldn't do a custom project with somebody with a bright color um but uh it, definitely that's kind of how i view the world is this kind of different shades of neutral so. well the interesting thing about neutrals i think and especially pattern neutral neutrals or textured neutrals is that they do set up an incredible canvas mm-hmm. to be accented against so you know i, I don't it, it, it doesn't have to do all the work right and again it talks about contrast right right, right? but if uh, you put that bittersweet and you found that tonation of rouge i guess we'll call it now and you found that and you found the perfect shade of 
brownie red lipstick for a pillow to sit next to it it could be an absolutely incredible incredible beautiful thing yes right or tape it or border it with something could be really really Mm -hmm. wonderful Mm -hmm. um i think that uh, we get into much more complicated questions here so um i gotta thank you again um, oh, thank, thank you, you for for being here with me and um, everybody uh, go on to Michelle's uh, website and take a look at her timeless collection. It's easy because we've said it all night fabric and mm-hmm. And there's a lot to choose from. There's a lot to look at. Do what I did and go into the about section. And I think or I hope that we learned a lot about Michelle tonight. Because it is a beautiful description, not only of her, but her passion for her textiles. And um, again, it was a wonderful conversation. And I thank you so much. Thank you so much. It was lovely. I want to thank everybody here at TalkRadio.com, Schoolhouse Number 6 Productions. I couldn't do it without you, and I wouldn't even want to try. Ben Keegan for my music. And remember to follow me on Instagram and Twitter at home with DTI. Also, don't forget to take a look at my website. You have to look at both of ours. My website, davidthirgartnerinteriors.com. And join us next week when we talk to Darren Roning and Travis Messenger from Batten Tile Works, a fascinating story on their own about how they started their own custom tile company in Connecticut. And um, I'm thrilled to have them on the show with us next week. Remember to stay tuned for the Noreen Sumter Show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way. And until next week on the radio, <laughs> Until next week on the radio, remember the best designs for your life start at home. With steadfast stairs, the people cry, bring future new worlds. Time that goes by, the touch, the feel, the fabric of our lives. The touch, the feel of cotton, the fabric of our lives. You are listening to the Talking Alternative Network. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. Are you stuck in a rut? Negative thoughts, feelings, and conversations got you down? Hi, I'm Noreen Sumter, the Potentiator. Tune in every Tuesday at 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern Time and listen for new ideas on my show, Beyond Potential, Live Life Your Way, on talkradio.nyc. Hey, all you crazy listeners. Looking to boost your business? Why not advertise on Talking Alternative with very reasonable rates? Interested? Simply email at info at TalkingAlternative.com. Do you like comic books and movies? How about TV and pop culture? Then you've come to the right place. Hi, I'm Michael Dolce, host of Secrets of the Sire. Joined every week by my co-host, Hassan, Lord of the Radio Godwin. Together, we have over 15 years' experience creating graphic novels, screenplays, and more. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on the pop culture universe you love to talk about. Wednesday nights, 8 p.m. Eastern, talkradio.nyc. Did you know you've been playing poker your whole life, even if you've never played a hand of cards? Hi, I'm Ellen Lakend, author of Poker Woman and host of the new show, Poker Divas. On the show, I talk about how poker strategy helps you win in business, life, and love. Tune in live every Thursday, 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network at www.talkingalternative.com. Now, broadcasting 24 hours a day. Talking Alternative. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? 
I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to the Talking Alternative Network. 